Well, good morning, Elevation family. Today we continue our Advent theme of joy. When I think of joy, I immediately think of those baby belly laugh videos on YouTube. You know, sometimes they run on America's Funniest Home Videos too. And I don't know about you, but those videos spark my joy, as Mari Kondo says. I could watch them forever. There's just something about babies laughing that is so joyful. And I immediately thought of that when I thought about our theme this week of joy. And so I wanna start the service this morning by taking a little moment for joy and watching a video of one of our very own babies laughing. This is Rowan Conley when he was three months old. He's now a big brother. He has little baby Zoe. Marsha, his mother, is reading to him um, a book and he is absolutely delighted. Let's take a look. No, no, you say that isn't right. The pigs say, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the to snort and stuff. <laughs> now, if that doesn't get you laughing, I think you need to check your Christmas spirit because it is so cute. Um, and so here we come at the end of this year, wanting to celebrate and meditate and channel that kind of joy, Rowan's joy. Um, here during Advent at the end of 2020. But how are we supposed to be joyful at the end of a year like this year? 2020 has been a harbinger of grief and loss and more grief. Our bodies and communities and economies and whole nations have been brought to their knees by this tiny little virus we can't even see. In the words of the Rich Mullins song, we are not as strong as we think we are. We've also witnessed the evil of anti-black racism roiling again to the surface, and we've watched as men and women have died at the hands of those who were supposed to protect them just because they weren't white. And no justice was found for these people. The names of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and many more are gonna be seared in our minds from this year as a marker point of when we had to look again at the ugliness of the evil of white supremacy in our communities. We've watched as politicians have spewed hateful rhetoric and conspiracy theories in a contentious election year south of the border, and we've watched our neighbors south of the border as they've seemed almost on the brink of being torn apart by partisan politics. And then there's, just the every, then there's just the tragic things that have happened beyond these things that would happen every year, and yet this year feels like too much. I want us um, this morning and this week to hold our very own Helen Croker in our hearts and minds. Her brother passed away this last week after a stroke. And I know so many of us know people who have died tragically, untimely, even in this season and this year, and it feels like not another thing. Lord, why? Why is all of this happening? How can we handle it? And so in the midst of this reality, we arrive at the third Sunday in Advent, and we're supposed to feel joy. We're supposed to celebrate joy. Really? How? Well, here's the journey I want to take us on this morning, and it's this. I want us to realize that the reason why we were able to be joyful, especially at the end of this year, is because Advent tells us that we have been rescued from the disease and the brokenness and the unrest and the lost that exists every year, but that 2020 has laid particularly bare. 
Advent tells us that we can be joyful because we have a rescuer who has come to pull us out of the pit of 2020. And it's not a vaccine and it's not more stimulus checks, although all those things can help. Our rescuer comes in the form of a baby born on one quiet night in a manger. So let's take this journey together. Before we get to joy, we have to start with the curse that we need to be rescued from. Now, whoa, the word curse, that's a pretty heavy word, Kristen, what are you talking about? Well, take this morning, we sang the song, Joy to the World. And did you catch that third verse that we sang, that the winter sang for us? It goes, no more let sin and sorrows grow, amen. No thorns infest the ground, yes. He comes to make his blessings flow, yes, amen. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as, far as the curse is found. Friends, the brokenness and the hurt and the evil we face in this world can feel like a curse, can't it? I don't wanna be melodramatic or over-spiritualize things, but sometimes when we face all that we face this year, the word curse feels just about right. We know this world isn't right. Something is deeply wrong. And this can feel overwhelming. How do we face all that is evil and broken and wrong in this world? Where does it come from? Well, Jesus in the book of John, while talking about his own death to come, said, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Now, I want to stop right there and zoom in on that part of the verse where Jesus says there is a ruler of this world. And when I first heard this verse afresh again this other week, I thought, oh, yeah, the ruler of the world. You, it's Jesus, right? Jesus is the ruler of the world. God is the ruler of the world. But that's not actually what Jesus says. Jesus says there is a ruler of the world, and that ruler is Satan. Now, is there a big red guy roaming around with horns, causing and wreaking havoc everywhere he goes? I don't believe so. But I do believe, like Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12, that, quote, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. For me, it's not hard to believe when I see all the suffering and pain that's happening in this world, when I look at 2020 and all that has transpired this year, that there is an unseen power at play here that is the enemy of our souls and the enemy of all that is good and right and holy. Now, why on a Sunday when we're supposed to be celebrating joy, am I talking about a curse and Satan? Well, because. I think we all know in our hearts that we're facing more than we can handle in life. There's a heaviness that hovers over us sometimes and threatens to make us snap. For me, I feel the weight of this curse most acutely when I learn things um, like about the human trafficking that's happening right here in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, especially among foster kids. For you, it may be something else that makes you so painfully aware of the curse we live under. Maybe it's addiction, uh, maybe it's broken mental health or, or broken relationships, maybe it's sickness. We can feel so overwhelmed. How do we stop this? How do we end this? 
but is exactly in this place of grief and being overwhelmed. When we come to the end of ourselves, when we see that we actually aren't strong enough to fix these things on our own. We aren't strong enough to cure the evil of white supremacy or abuse or poverty or plague or political infighting. And it's in that moment that we are perfectly ready for Advent because it's at that moment that we realize we're in need of a savior. This past week, I was reading devotions with Nathan at bedtime. And before you think that I am <laughs> such a great mom and I read devotions every single night to my kids, I actually don't. I'm terrible at that uh, daily rhythm of doing things the same every day. I'm more of like a seasonal rhythm. But this last week, I did manage to remember to have devotions with Nathan at bedtime. And I'm glad I did because this is the verse we read. It's from Psalms 42. It says, he lifted me out of the pit of despair out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. The devotional went on to tell this imaginary story of a little boy who's exploring through the woods far from home when he accidentally steps through a snow-covered hole and slides down into a deep pit. Now the sides are so deep that he can't get out. He keeps trying to get out and he keeps sliding back down to the bottom of the pit and it's starting to get dark and he's getting cold and, and finally he just gives up and he thinks this is hopeless. And just then he hears voices, help, he yells. And soon faces appear over the edge of the pit and it's his mom and dad who'd come looking for him because they were worried when he didn't come home for dinner. It's that moment right there, that moment when the little boy sees his parents' faces peeking over the edge of the pit, that's Advent. That is the moment of joy. We have been rescued. We sit here at the end of 2020 in the pit of 2020, and we peer up at the sky wondering if there's any mercy, any grace, any way that we can get out. And then we see them. God the Father, Jesus the Son. We see them peeking their faces over the edge of the pit, and we know that our Savior has come. Isaiah was in the pit too, and he saw Jesus peering over the edge. Mary saw it too. These were our readings this morning. They saw the Savior coming and all that he would mean for the world. Isaiah declares, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. The language here is the language used for the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. Isaiah is not speaking of a big, abstract, intangible God coming to save us by moving and altering circumstances behind the scenes, although he does do that. This language is speaking of a specific Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua is his given name by his Hebrew name, entering the earth, human existence, and coming to defeat the curse. So let's go back to Jesus's words in John, where he says, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw everyone to myself. So let me say it again. Yeshua has come and Satan has been cast out. 
Mary speaks to the very real changes that Yeshua brings when she says, he has filled the hungry with good things. <clears throat> the commentators agree that she's signaling not just that the Messiah will provide food, but that there will be a real tangible difference that the Savior makes in the world, much like putting food in a hungry belly. Jesus substantially changes the nature of things. Today, this week, this season, we celebrate with Isaiah and Mary the arrival of the Savior, the one who is rescuing us, the one who, according to Isaiah, is doing all of this. He's going to make the desert and the parched lamb blossom like the crocus, burst into bloom, shout for joy. He's going to make the burning sand into a bubbling spring. He's going to heal the blind so they can see. He's going to heal the deaf so they can hear. He's going to heal the lame so they can leap like the deer. He's going to heal the mute tongue so it can sing for joy. And he's going to build a highway called the way that we can travel on free from threat of robbers and ferocious beasts. What's most remarkable to me about the scriptures that we read this morning from Isaiah and Mary's Magnificat is that neither of them had seen Jesus yet. They lived in a world fully under the power of the curse, but they were able to stand outside of space and time and rejoice because they knew who was coming. We are in their company this morning. We belong to an eternal kingdom. We know who has come, Jesus, and we know what is going to happen, that he is redeeming the world. So for today, let's set our burdens down and let's rejoice with Mary and Isaiah. Let's step outside of time and let's have joy in this moment because we know that we have been rescued. But how do we do that? How do we embrace joy and the knowledge that our Savior has come here at the end of 2020? Well, I have four tips for us. First, we need to take the long view of time. Martin Luther King Jr. famously, famously said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. He had a long view of time. There's another funny saying that says, you know, if it isn't a happy ending yet, then we haven't reached the end yet. This isn't a story just for our moment in history. We have to remember that this is a story for us and our children and our children's children. This story is ongoing and it reaches beyond us. C.S. Lewis writes that we live in a quote, fallen and partially redeemed universe. And so God is at work, Jesus is at work through his body of the church. And we, and through the body, through the church, Christ is redeeming this earth. We are in a partially redeemed universe and the story of this stretches beyond us. So we need to have a long view of time. The second thing we need to do is remember that we know the end of the story. My mother-in-law, Pat, loves to read. She's an avid reader, but she's so funny because she can't actually enjoy a book unless she's read the ending first. And so she'll jump ahead and she'll read the ending. And then once she knows what's going to happen, then she can settle in and she can enjoy all the suspense and the plot twists and turns and she can enjoy the story. And as much as I chuckle at her, because I think that's so endearing, I think there's something profoundly true about that approach to our life, to the story of salvation. We know the end of the story, but sometimes we forget. 
So let's skip ahead. We did this last month. We were studying Revelation. Let's skip ahead. Let's remember the end of the story, that the victory is won. We've been rescued so that we can sit in peace and we can relax and enjoy um, the ups and downs of this life a little bit more. Thirdly, we have to remember that joy is not a singular feeling, but an experience we have in conjunction with community. Brandon passed along to me um, this last week a podcast between Miroslav, it was an interview between Miroslav Wolf and Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, and they were actually, they came, started talking about this concept of joy. And Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said that in Hebrew thought, there's no conception of joy as an individual experience. That joy is only and always a communal experience. So you can't even get to joy or have joy separate from your community that you belong to. And so he gave the example of how that's a part of the reason that everybody rests on Sabbath. Because for one person to experience rest, the joy of rest, everyone needs to experience it too. And so on this Sunday, when we are specifically looking at joy, we need to remember that it's not just joy for us as an individual, but we're actually following the church calendar this month. And that millions of people around the world are worshiping together virtually, in person, and and focusing on joy and celebrating joy. We are joining a host in the present today of people who are being joyful and rejoicing the arrival of our Savior. And it's not just this day, but because we're following the church calendar, it is generations and centuries of people stand behind us who've also celebrated joy at this moment. And so we can stand together in community and remember that joy is something we hold together in conjunction with one another. And finally, we can focus on joy and embody joy in this moment by taking time to testify. And that's an old religious word that basically means telling our story. We can remind ourselves, we can tell the story again and again. Jesus has come. He's come to rescue us. He has cast Satan out of this world. You can write it in your journal and remind yourself. You can, if you're not a writer, you can tell your friends, tell your, tell your family, just tell the story. Remember again, testify to the joy that we have as followers of Jesus. So let's glory in the life that Yeshua offers us here and now. Let's all take a moment to sing with Mary today, who said, the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Amen. The mighty one has done great things for us. Holy is his name. As we wrap up today, I want to invite you to join our neighbors discussion calls. Um, if you have a neighbors group, you should have the link to that. You can join in and go through the discussion questions. If you don't know which neighbors group you are a part of, um, there will be a link in the discussion on Facebook that you can join, or you can also join at 8 p.m. tonight, and the, the link for that is on our Stay Connected page. So in lieu of prayer today, I actually want to leave us with this reflection on joy. We've put together a montage of babies from our community, past and present, who are laughing with joy at their parents, at life. And as we watch this, this montage, may their pure delight and joy 
be our prayer and our meditation, the meditation of our hearts this week, because we know we have been saved by an all-powerful, all-loving God who isn't standing watching over us, but has come into this moment in history and into this moment in our lives and walks with us through the hurt, the heartache, the pain, and has a way of transforming us and transforming everything that is happening around us in order to bring beauty and glory to his name. So let's end today by watching these babies laugh and may we laugh with them in joy. Look at mommy, watch mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, watch, watch Aunt Laura. Watch mommy. Yeah. Here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you laughing at dad?